And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Race It's Down with Jonathan Reynolds, CEO of Titus Talent Strategies. What I achieve and accomplish is not important to the Lord compared to what's going on in my heart. Jesus dealt with the heart. And I can say, well, look what I've achieved and accomplished. And suddenly my chest goes out. I'm like, yeah, I felt like I, I did a good job because I got some attaboys and pats on the back. Does that matter in the light of eternity? Does that matter to the one who really matters? Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we would like to welcome you back to another version of the show where we travel the country and we interview some of the most amazing Christ followers who are running businesses and corporations, entrepreneurs who are starting new ventures and creating new opportunities in the marketplace. And from time to time, we do interview celebrities, coaches, and folks who are otherwise living out their faith in the marketplace in amazing and encouraging ways. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're a regular listener, Welcome back. Hey, we'd like to encourage you to take a moment and check out BottomLineFaith.org. You can uh, listen to dozens and dozens of interviews that we have completed over the, the past few months there at the site. You can scroll down and become a subscriber if you're not already a regular listener to the show. And so, folks, I am really, really pumped and excited to welcome to our show today a gentleman who, uh, even before we came on air, I was just, we were praying, and I was just thanking the Lord for new friendships and for for people who really are an encouragement to those around them. And folks, I, I just can't wait. You're going to love our guest today. His name is Jonathan Reynolds. He is the CEO of Titus Talent Strategies. You can check them out at TitusTalent.com. Jonathan, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Hey, thanks for having me here. It's really, really good to be here. An honor. Oh, okay, so uh, we're just going to get the obvious right out of the way. Just go ahead and take 10 seconds and tell them your name, and you're going to pick right away, folks, that he's not a Midwestern boy by upbringing. That's right. Um, I'm Jonathan Reynolds, and it's a good uh, treat for me to be here and sitting across from Ray. Uh, as he said, a new friend, and uh, we've had some laughs already this morning, but I am not from Texas. Well, I was going to say, you know, so that, okay, so not from Texas, not from Atlanta, not from central Indiana. Where, where'd you grow up? Where yep. was home? I am um, from Bath, England, grew up in the UK. And uh, a little bit about my history, I guess, would be that um, I grew up uh, youngest of five kids. Uh, my parents, passionate, passionate lovers of Jesus. They uh, wholehearted and committed to the kingdom advance in the world and uh, always grew up with that that knowledge and my parents uh, did a phenomenal job, I think, in raising me. Look at me now. Uh, <laughs> now, they did a really good job of raising each one of their kids with the knowledge that it was through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be displayed to the whole earth, but not limiting it in the understanding that it's just the church. It's the kingdom of God. It's way bigger than the, just the church. And not to belittle that or make it sound smaller, the bride of Christ is beautiful, but it's each one of us living out our faith every single day in every single room we go into, any single environment we go into, we bring the kingdom of God, his righteousness, his peace, his joy. And uh, definitely grew up with that heartbeat of get out there, go change the world and see the kingdom of God advance through your life. Whatever you're doing, your full-time ministry does doesn't matter. So and we're going to get into that. That is, yeah. that is great. And folks, I wish you could be in studio with me right now because, John, you're fi you just light up a room, man. You've got this joy about you. You've got this countenance. You know, this is 
several times we've been together, and every time I'm with you, you are an encouragement to me and those around you. Where does that spirit, where does that bubbly just joy come from for you? <laughs> That's good. Um... Oh, well, my relationship with the Lord, really. I think, you know, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I need a lot of strength. And so finding, find, getting happy in God, getting happy in God every day, going, okay, I, there is so much of a well of joy when we actually consider our salvation, consider the hope we have, consider our future, consider our present, whether it be trials that we're facing, finding our joy in, in God is great. Life is not without challenges or trials, um, but... Uh, you know, I think from the outside, somebody would say, why are you so positive? And uh, I would say it's not positivity. It's actually hope in God and faith in God, uh, which transforms our perspective and kind of helps us lift our eyesight a little bit higher than what's going on in the natural. Um, but I definitely, you know, can lose it at times. <laughs> but, you know, they go, okay, take a step back here. Perspective in God. He's, he is right here with me right now. So, yeah. That's where it's come from. So... Jonathan, um, you, you shared that you, you grew up in a Christian home. Yep. And uh, we're going to talk about the business and your how you live out your faith in the marketplace and so forth in just a moment. But growing up, did you see yourself becoming a businessman, or were you thinking you might become a minister? What what yeah. was what was in your dreams as a as a youngster? Sure. Um, okay. I always knew that I loved being around people. Definitely a bit of a. Uh, no, I'm not a natural academic. Definitely, I enjoy being around people and want to help launch and equip and activate people into things. I was a ringleader, usually getting people in trouble, but I realized early age that I had influence and God had given me a gift in that area. And so um, anytime I could sway the, sway the group, um, I would, and it was fun to me. But uh, I, I didn't, it wasn't really locked in of I want to be in business. I want to be in uh, in your traditional ministry or full time employment in church life. So, <laughs> at what point then um, did you really begin to kind of hone in and understand that God had a call on your life in yeah. terms of this area of business? Um, well, I guess from a very young age, uh, even in little young school I would find myself I'd buy something from the toy store I'd go to school and you know playing around with some toy and people would say, I want one of those so I'd go to the toy store and clean them out buy them in bulk and I would sell it at a markup at school and this was pretty normal for me people were like where do you get these things I would never tell them where I got stuff from I would just <laughs> buy and sell for a profit and it was fun to me and uh that was always been in my DNA from then getting into your teen years. I'm like, I'm going to take my parents' lawnmower and I'm going to start mowing the neighbor's yards. And then suddenly, hey, mum, can I borrow the car and stick the lawnmower in it? And I'd be, I'd be going all over town mowing people's lawns. And so I suddenly, oh, I've got a lawnmowing business. This is great. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then stumbled across... Um, oh, I can actually have a cleaning business. So I hired a few of the youth group girls from church and said, hey, i got a job for you. And, and I was like, i got this cleaning business. And you're thinking, like, is this small? No, I was actually getting pretty uh, sizable and having a team of people doing all of these things for me and then people are asking why and I said well I'm actually trying to raise money to move to America and that really set me set me up I wanted just to get away from the young being youngest of five kids being labeled as my parents kid and the expectations that came with that and the reality is um, my relationship with the Lord although I knew the reality of God and I knew him working in other people's lives and my siblings' lives who were all movers and shakers in their own worlds. 
I really wrestled saying, I want to find God for myself. I want to know what an intimate relationship with the Lord looks like outside of my parents or people just expecting that I am there. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. like somebody needs to invest in me. So I actually moved to the States to be part of a Christian missions organization in 98. And that's, it's not like that's where I found God, but I suddenly found nobody knew me. And I thought it was going to be really easy, but I very quickly got back into the same kind of um, rhythm of life and wrestling through some of those things. But interestingly enough, when I arrived at this missions organization in Texas in 98, um, everybody was assigned a job. And my job that I was assigned was um, recruitment of people to the organization. And I did that. It was a two-year program, and I was I became a recruiter. And I'm like, I love this. It's like sales and people. I'm like, um, actually getting to interact with people and, and bringing them into this organization. And uh, they kept me on for a second year and asked me to be a supervisor and manager of this team of 15 recruiters. And it's funny when you fast forward. I, I love this, the hand of God. 20-something years on, here I am leading a talent strategy recruitment company, helping companies make the right hire, helping them figure out what they actually need. How are they going to do their retention? How are they actually going to keep people engaged in their employment and in their companies and helping them with culture? And I love it because God ordained this thing from 20-something years ago, you know, introducing me to the recruitment world and not just being a salesperson. So That, that is so neat to hear. And Jonathan, one of the things we love to do here at Bottom Line Faith, we, we really define success here is, is that if one person is listening to this program mm. right now and they could be encouraged, or maybe they've had a dream that God's placed on their heart and for whatever reason they've not enacted on it, maybe they just haven't had the faith yet or the yeah. confidence. But as I'm listening to your story... It's like God's hand was on you. He he gave you these entrepreneurial bent, right? Yep. From a very young age, you're, you're, you're buying product and reselling it, yep. you're starting these businesses, and then you found this niche of recruiting of people, yep. combining your love of people and business and so forth. So take a moment then, and let's dive in then a little bit deeper. Tell yeah. us about Titus Talent Strategies, sure. the problem you're solving, and uh, why you're different and unique. Yeah, good. Okay. I, I grew up in the traditional, I shouldn't say grew up. Um, I, my, I got my feet wet in this missions organization, Christian missions organization. Then I ended up in commercial staffing and recruiting and learned the the evils of, uh, or the dirtiness of this kind of used car sales, um, just throwing, throwing resumes and seeing what sticks. And I'm like, this is broken. So I actually, in 2009, I joined a financial services firm. I was hired by the president and owner of the company. And um, he said, I want to start a recruiting division. 2009 was a rubbish time to start a recruiting division. But I didn't think about that. And so I was sitting, funnily enough, I was sitting with, I was finding it really hard to kind of get this thing going. It was like me. I was the only one. And I was sitting with a company called Milwaukee Tool, uh, the power tool company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I was based at the time. I was sitting with their vice president. And I said, okay, you got all these critical roles open. You're, you've laid off a whole bunch of people. Uh, you don't want to post these ads because you're going to have 500 applicants and you can't spend all these whopping big 25% fees. And it was like the heavens open moment where I just knew the Holy Spirit inside of me came, gave me this idea. I had one employee at the time and I said, okay, we don't have anything to work on. How about this? I rent him to you by the hour and we, for the next month, he can work on all of these critical roles for you. And she said, huh, interesting. And I said, you don't pay any fees. It's just our time. We're an hourly rate, just the time. 
And she said, okay, can I have access to your applicant tracking system with a golden database? And I said, it's rubbish. There's nothing in there. And she said, I thought all you recruiters say that you got all this access to hidden people. I'm like, they're all lying. Um, I'm like, we're in the data age. You can find anyone. It's whether you can engage them and attract them and get them over to you. I said, so we'll go exclusive passive candidate headhunting. We'll build a database. You own the pipeline. And she said, let's do it. So after six weeks, they made seven critical manager and director level hires. And I was like, this is it. I'm on to something. And I felt even in the pitch, it was like, you can't, you can't lose when God's given the pitch. It felt like I wasn't even speaking. I'm like, where is this even coming from? You know, and I'm making this thing up. It's like, you'd think, oh, did you just make that up? And I'm, I just wasn't really me. It was the Lord, I think, you know. So, um, so there we are. We fast forward. We doubled year over year for the next you know, few years with this model and figuring it out. And it was just a joy to actually partner with companies only and helping them with their critical critical roles um, and helping them on their side not on our terms of charging a big whopping fee that's how we started we've, we've evolved a bit since then but I always feel say it's, uh, it's kind of unfair for Christians to be in business it's like insider trading you know like <laughs> how, how did you know that how did you find that information out like <laughs> I've got the omniscient one you know in me speaking you know he knows everything he knows exactly what's going on in your company and he tells me you know like it's kind of like that insider info which seems so wrong you know we just have a competitive an advantage. Yeah, that's and I love that. I love that approach, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. That if we're walking with the Lord, He promises He's going to speak to us. He's oh, yeah. going to give us divine insights and in, in, in just perspective that no one else. It is an unfair advantage, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, as you look out over the horizon of what's happening right now, we're in the midst of some, uh, frankly, a good economic you mm-hmm. know, season. The number one thing that I'm finding, and it's no secret here. Companies are having a really hard time finding good talent. Yeah. Finding good talent. Just comment on, you know, not just your model per se, but what do you think if if I'm a business owner and I'm listening to the program right now, just give me a couple tips on yeah. what I should be looking for if I'm also struggling to find good talent. Sure. Yeah. It's hard for me to not sort of go into come off like a pitch. So I I'll, I'll stay away from that. But um I think it's tradition is really our biggest enemy here. So we look at things in the sense of like, okay, what is the job? We kind of go, okay, HR, can you create a job description? And so HR creates a job description. This is two or three pages that includes everything from must have 10 to 15 years of experience, must be able to sit, bend and stand, lift 25 pounds for extended periods of time. Like nothing to do with the job, you know? And we just say, okay, you got to do this, do this. A bunch of tasks and duties, really. It's a person description. And you're like, me, me, me. And the people who are actually looking at that are people who are looking for jobs. Well, when you've got a, a couple of percent unemployment, maybe that's not the right person you're trying to attract. Maybe. Um, okay. And so really starting from the angle of saying, okay, fast forward a little bit here. If I had hired somebody today, I wouldn't know they were good until a certain period of time. But how do we define quality? Quality hire really is they've done something. And so what else should this person do, achieve, or accomplish that would make you say, dang, that was a good hire. Mm-hmm. I really lucked out on this one. You know, that feeling that we get like, what a great hire. Really, it comes down to probably two or three things that they've done, achieved, or accomplished. So start there for a start. That is what we're looking at. I'm looking for someone who can, will do, and wants to do that in my environment. Now, forget that the, the people are out there. We all agree that. They're out there somewhere. Now I've just got to go and find out that person, where they're at, tap on their shoulder and say, listen, would you consider a career move if it was truly superior to what you're doing right now? 
That's a fair question. I'm not stealing people. I'm just saying, if this is truly superior, yep. would you consider it? Yeah. Then we just engage in a conversation. Like, huh. So here's my number one issue. It's this. I need somebody who can do this. Tell me about that. And if they, if they say, well, you know, I've actually I've done that, but not on that scale. This would be truly superior. It's a bit of a bigger job for me, but it could be the next stretch opportunity for me. And so that's where we engage in people on that level. So uh, on the flip side of that coin then, okay, you, you just mentioned that uh, you're going to make that call to that prospective yep. candidate and say, hey, if this were really were a superior opportunity, would you be open to it? Yeah. So now let's let's do a little bit of reverse coaching. Okay. What would you say to the employer to, to make it that they are already providing the superior opportunity Great. so that when totally, yeah. Jonathan and his team call, they say, no, I'm in a perfect place. Thank you, but no thank you. Absolutely. you got to know your people. you got to put your people first. And so when we look at uh, the team members, they're not just assets. They're people. They're people who God wants to grab a hold of their hearts. And so if you're listening to this and you love the Lord and you see yourself as a kingdom mission-minded person saying, oh, listen, I want my whole life to see the advance of the kingdom of God. Look at the people that are in your care as, a, as almost like talents and gifts from God and say, I need to grow these people. I need to grow them and just find ways for God to put his seeds into their hearts and so I can wi win souls, right? So we look at the people in that level and say, okay, how do I help them grow and develop? What's in their heart? What do they bring to the table? I think we often don't do that. We look at career trajectory and things like that as the mission of the company, but finding out what treasures God has given us in people and un unlocking that and saying, okay, how do I help you get there? We did this. I mean, I have a lot of millennials in our company, like many people, mm -hmm. it's right. half the workforce in the next couple of years. I said, okay, in 2017, at the beginning of 2017, I want to know every single person in our company, what professional experience, because millennials like experiences, what experience would they like to have this year? And it would be, uh, blank slate. It was amazing the stuff that came back. And I said, okay, we can do 100% of those. Some of them more outlandish than others, but we're going to do it. And so I made sure that in the calendar year we provided this. And I kept coming back to them. Remember that? You said you wanted this, and I'm doing it. You said you wanted this, and we're making this happen. And so it, it, it kind of creates that sense of a bond of I'm known, I'm understood, I'm loved, I'm cared for. And it's about people before it is just the bottom line profits. Really, really great advice. Not only advice, but that's that's philosophy and that's God-honoring. That's principle-based leadership. And and I know that along these lines that one of the things that's important to you is this whole concept of personal identity. Mm -hmm. Part of what you're describing there is helping that person live out their own identity, their yep. own passions, right? Yeah. Speak to us a little bit. Why is this so important to you, this whole concept of personal identity and understanding it? Yeah. <laughs> it's important to me and other people because it's important to me in me. When I, I started going through, if I look back at my formative teenage years and the things that were going on in my family's life and where my parents' stage of life, my parents were at and where they were kind of setting their trajectory of their life. Um, there was certain things were shaped into me. I am not a uh, passive person. I am um, always going, always moving, and I want to achieve, accomplish, and produce stuff. And um, it is, I'm a driven person, okay? As time has gone on, I've started to grow up and mature and look at my life and say, okay, what is my life about? What am I doing? Um, what am I achieving? And what's important to the Lord? And I realized that what I achieve and accomplish is not important to the Lord compared to what's going on in my heart. Jesus dealt with the heart. He said, hey, your lips, you honor me with the lips, 
but your hearts are far from me. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, guard your heart, as one of your scriptures that you love to ask people, guarding it because out of it flows all of the issues, all of the main issues of life. God cares about my heart, and I can say, well, look at life I've achieved and accomplished. And he's like, okay, uh, let's put that aside right now. Let's talk about your heart. What motives, and what are your motives? What's driving mm, you? Good. And, you know, our offerings, God, deals, he deals with the, with the heart, doesn't he? He deals, okay, it's great that you're able to give those millions, but I don't really care about the millions. I own the whole world. I can, I can, I can do that on my own. I can do that in my sleep, you know? You, you can get all sort of proud about what you've produced and accomplished, but like the widow with all that she had, and it was something about her heart. And so I, I've been, as I'm growing up, <laughs> I'm realizing, wow, I've got to w- w- look at the heart thing and what's driving a motive. Even coming here on this, to this, this, this show, uh, saying, okay, I want to do a really great job. Why do I want to do a good job? Like, well, I want, how would I know if I'm doing a good job? Maybe all these, a bunch of people reach out to me and say, hey, I heard about you and what you're doing. I'd love to connect. And suddenly my chest goes out. I'm like, yeah, I felt like I, I did a good job because I got some attaboys and pats on the back. Does that matter in the light of eternity? Does that matter to the one who really matters? And so to reassess those and living from a place of wholeheartedness, I think as success from a worldly perspective grows, we can suddenly feel that was success and it's not. You know, it really isn't. It doesn't it doesn't matter at all um, in the light of eternity and to the Lord. And He's dealing with our hearts, saying, "Okay, I got to peel this back. I feel like I'm going through these weekly surgeries now. Like, wow, oh gosh, what what is my motive in that? Wow, oh, that Lord, I want you to I want you to pull that out. I don't want my motive in that situation to be my name." My this, this is what I've done, you know. I want your name to be glorified, and if I decrease that you increase, oh, that's a great, beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah. It, it certainly is, and Jonathan, what I, what I really am, am impacted by as I'm listening to that is it's rooted in humility. We have to be humble before the Lord mm. and say, Lord, you, I need you to speak to me and tell me what's in my heart and, and, yeah. and, and reveal real motive to me. And so when I think of humility, I think of brokenness, I think of failure, I think of things that didn't go necessarily the way we were thinking yeah. and hoping. So as you look back over you know, the, the past decade plus as you've built your company, what's one of the biggest mistakes or failures that you've <laughs> been through, and uh, what did God teach you as a result of that? Yeah, I think, you know... Um, in in day to day decisions that we make in business, you know, however many decisions you have to make in a day, depending on your role, fast paced. You know, I'm a very fast paced decision maker, and uh, probably one of the biggest things that I regret is making decisions without seeking the Lord. And you think, come on, can you really do that in your role all day, every day? Hold on a second, I'm in a, I'm in a big meeting here. Pause the meeting, I'm just going to seek the Lord. You know, But being in tune, going into a meeting, saying, God, I really need you to guide and lead me today. I cannot do it on my own. And so the biggest challenge or the, the failure would be for me would be making a decision that seems critical and it impacts other people, then seeking the Lord realizing that my decision, although sounded wise, and I gave a very good argument of why I was making that decision, then going back and saying, hey, I'm actually changing my tune on this one, and this is why. You know, sometimes I've, I I don't always go, the Lord Almighty spoke to me. You know? I understand. But right, right. there are times when I will in smaller groups and say, listen, I know I'm kind of, kind of throwing myself on my sword here, but um, 
it's important to me that I know the the blessing of God on what we're doing. And I'm having to actually go back on that decision and say, I just, I don't think it's the right one. And there we go. Some people don't understand it. Um, and some people go, wow, it's great faith that you're actually responding in that way. I mean, faith is about obedience, isn't it? It totally is. And everything you've just described just took me right back to that first conversation where your first client came from. You, you were divinely inspired. I suspect mm. you had prayed that morning. I suspect that you were asking God, perhaps even in the midst of that conversation, Lord, yeah. I need these words from you, right? And that's what you're talking about. Uh, I, I'll probably say yes, because I want you to think I'm really spiritual. Oh, yes. You know, I actually fasted and prayed for a month before that one. No, I didn't. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I do. I love, I do cherish my times with the Lord and making sure I'm dialed into hearing his voice for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. What's the best advice? that you've been given in business. Who gave it to you, and how does it continue to impact you today? Best advice. Um, (laughs) uh, Oh, it's the one that comes to mind right now. It's funny. It actually came from (laughs) Sir Richard Branson. Um, Richard Branson is a wild entrepreneur. I don't know that he loves the Lord. I I wouldn't think that he does. Um, But he says, put people first. Um, put your customers second and put your profits last. And I remember it really stuck with me and it stuck with me. There was something in it that I just knew the Holy Spirit kind of birthing something like, yes, prioritize what's important to his heart, which is the hearts of people. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's going to be tough, um, especially in a cutthroat business world. But um, I fight really hard on that on a day-to-day basis. I make sure our entire leadership team know that we put our people first before our customers. I know that's a shocking thing to say in America, which is customer, customer first. The customer's always right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to make sure that our people are honored and taken care of and they know that they are secure, that it's not like you're only as good as your last sale, you're only as good as the last thing you did. So I would say for me uh, and the ability I have in my role right now is I really cherish that and putting people first before partners and profits. That is really, really uh, tremendous advice. Regardless of the source, there's good wisdom. You're yeah. living it out, right? Yeah. And sometimes, uh, well, godly advice can come from all sorts oh, of gosh, yeah. sources. And so on this whole theme around advice and counsel and so forth, uh, I, want you to, uh, I want you to counsel your 20-year-old self. Mm. Let's let's look in the rearview mirror, and if you could go back and counsel your twenty-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? I would say, presence before productivity. Um, as I start, my kids are growing up. Um, you can, I think there's a a very twisted, and I think it's a trick of the enemy, is that we think if I can only just get to this level, then I will be able to. If I can only make my first. X amount of dollars, then I will be able to be there. If I can only get through this season, babe, then we can have a date night. If I can only do this, then. And it's it's such a twist. You know, the thing is, you make your X amount, you want you want to retire at 50, your kids won't like you. <laughs> you know, like now I can spend my time with the kids. I got money, I got this, I got time. And they're like, I don't even know you. I don't even like you. You know, you weren't there for me. And so I would say presence before productivity. It is better that I'm present in my kids' lives. It's better to me that I'm present in people's lives and not rushing. How fast can I get things done? I mean, I pull up to my house and I realize it. I'm like, okay, we're pulling up to the house now. Seatbelts off, kids, let's get out the car. And they go, why are we in a hurry? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Just get in the house. Let's be efficient. 
Let's not sit around in the car for three minutes, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they're like, they're like stressed because I'm like trying to get, be productive. And oh, just be present, Jonathan. You know, one of the things that come to mind as I'm listening is, you know, when we live in the past, there's guilt, there's remorse, the things we didn't do, we should have, the things we, you know, didn't, you know, just guilt and remorse in the past. Yeah. And when we live in the future, it's worry, it's doubt, and it's anxiety. It really is only in a moment where we get that real joy. Oh, yeah. For sure, yeah. So, folks, I hope you're checking out. This is some of the this is some of the best advice we've heard here at Bottom Line Faith. This is. Uh, I wish we had another thirty minutes. Maybe Jonathan, can we get you back at some point for another show? See, that makes you feel good. My chest is going out. I'm feeling pride rising in me. So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back if, if 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 you would be open to that. So, what advice? And I'm on this whole theme around advice mm-hmm. right now. So there's a. There's a person listening to the program right now, and they're yeah. they're hearing your story, and they're hearing how you've changed. You're changing an industry and trying to live it out, live out your faith, and so forth. But somebody who's listening to this is they're frustrated, they're discouraged. They've had this idea that they're not following through on, or maybe they just don't have the the faith that it takes to launch it, or whatever. I want you to just take a moment and really encourage that one individual right now who's in a in a season of discouragement. What would you say to them? Yeah. A scripture that I've been meditating on recently is from Jeremiah 6, and it says, This is what the Lord says, Stop at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you will find rest for your soul. But you reply, No, that's not the, not the road we want. And I think it's the countercultural road, especially of business executives who have to produce, have to hit numbers, have to do this, have to live up to the overstretched lifestyle they're living. Stop, stop at the crossroads, look around and find the ancient paths. Find those who are finding rest in their souls from the Lord and walk in that path and say, okay, I'm not going to live in strife. I'm not going to live in fear or worry or trying to produce something on my own strength. God, I want what you want. It's really good. It's really good counsel. Is that a struggle for you? Oh, daily, daily, because it's, we get up and we look at our calendar, I know exactly what i got to do today, and it's like, go, 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 stop, God, show me your path today, and if I follow his path, I will find rest for my soul, my soul, my heart will be at rest, and I won't be rushing a million miles an hour, I might have things to do, but I'm really doing them out of a place of peace, out of a place of rest in God. Yeah. I really like that, and and you're talking about living in the moment, and, and you know, even when we're facing business challenges, if we would just, you know, big decisions, right? If we would just take a moment and say, God, this is a really big deal, at least in my world right now. What are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to hear from you? And sometimes the results are secondary, right? And you were talking earlier about the heart. Isn't yeah. that really what God wants from us? As oh, not yeah. only His children, but specifically in the context of this program and conversation, He wants that from us as business leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. So for those of you who are regular listeners, you know that the last question I always ask on the program is what I call my 423 question. And Jonathan, you quoted this uh, verbatim a few moments ago out of Proverbs 4.23. It says that above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan, I just want you to just 
kind of help us paint this picture. Let's say you have a chance that you're at the end of this time of eternity, and we obviously don't know when that would be, but let's just say you're an old, old man now, and you have a chance to gather around your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious Mm -hmm. to you, and you get to pass along that one piece of advice that you want them to remember for the rest of their lives. Jonathan, fill in the blank for us. Above all else, take time to put your life almost on the operating table on a day-by-day basis, saying, God, have your way. I'm going to subject myself to surgery again today. If there's anything in me that needs to be adjusted, removed, washed away, thought patterns, offenses that that have been shaping my end of my yesterday, do your work today. Living in that place of constant submission to the Lord, you won't go wrong. Incredible, incredible insight from our guest today here at Bottom Line Faith, Jonathan Reynolds. He is the CEO of Titus Talent Strategies. Check them out. Check them out at TitusTalent.com. They really are disrupting an age-old industry Mm -hmm. and doing it in amazing new ways. Well, Jonathan, you brought us so many tips today, and you've shared your heart. You've been very transparent, and I'm just so grateful for that, and thank you for taking the time to be with us on the program today. You're welcome. It's a treat being here with you. Thank you. And I do hope maybe we can get you back on later. I'll come your way or whatever. We can get you out of this beautiful Indiana weather. Sounds great. (laughs) Well, folks, um, I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert. Become a regular subscriber to the program. If you're not, you can scroll down to the bottom of the page there at Bottom Line Faith, whether you're on Apple, iTunes, or Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your platform may be. Become a regular subscriber. Pass the word along. There's great things happening here at Bottom Line Faith, and we are just very grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us to grow in your faith in business and in leadership. So until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert at Bottom Line Faith. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.